0: So we have two episodes out right now.
1: Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. Thanks to everyone who's been listening. You
0: getting any feedback yet?
1: I have got some feedback.
0: Yeah, what did you hear? And
1: everyone, first of all, they love you. They love our back and forth. Wow. (laughs) You're famous. Everyone wants you to produce their podcast.
0: Oh, turn them away. (laughs) I only have so much time in the day.
1: Yeah, you can only do mine. (laughs) Sorry, guys. And yeah, everyone likes it so far. They like that it's. Uh, you know informative yet has a little bit of a, a light feeling to it mm-hmm. so it's not too serious but we still want to be educational yeah for our viewers what about you
0: oh people don't talk to me they don't
1: <sighs> that's not true i uh,
0: know they 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 don't want to talk to me well at least not about that i mean no my... you've
1: got some messages and oh you yeah sent I'm... them directly to me oh
0: yeah that's right but it was <laughs> like from my family my sister yeah that's me.
1: that's all it's listening yeah, you're right. No, for for now. Family
0: and friends. Thank you for listening. Did you get any questions?
1: I did. I did from a friend. Okay. But I'm not, I haven't responded to it yet.
0: Okay. I have one.
1: Okay. You can, is it your own question or you got it from somebody?
0: It's from my own brain.
1: Okay. Ask, ask, it ask away.
0: So episode, so just to let you know, you can write in to SalsaSoulFood at gmail.com and ask your own questions. It doesn't have to be made up by me I'm talking to the listener. Exactly. But my question is, Mm -hmm. do you wash your legs?
1: Do I wash my legs? Do
0: you wash your legs? When you're in the shower, do you go all the way down to Mm -hmm. your shin, to your ankle, to your foot?
1: Okay. So I don't know. I'm not that thorough with the washing my legs. Mm -hmm. Also because it's not necessarily – you don't need to be washing every single day. It's not good for your skin. Okay. But I take baths at night. So, not always like not every single night, but it's a way for me to relax. So I would say at night, my 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 legs are submerged in, in so they're water.
0: soaked in soapy water. Yeah, because there are. I learned that there are two types of people: okay. leg washers and non-leg washers.
1: Okay, so what's where did this all come from? It's
0: just it was like an internet thing. It's like a, there was a mm. poll, and it was very split down the middle, 50-50.
1: Yeah, there is this. There is a rumor that white people don't wash their feet. <laughs> so that I don't know what. <laughs> yeah, that. There's this thing um I just I just grew up knowing this that uh knowing this knowing this that it's like a stereotype that like white people don't get at the bottom of their feet for some reason. Okay. I don't really I don't know where this came from but it reminded me of that so I was thinking of that. Yeah. But
0: So yeah. you're you're a submerged leg washer. Yeah, what about you? I I've done I go to knee Why and let the and knee? let the soapy water just run. I'm a run downer.
1: I see. But you know what?
0: Yeah. Every now and again I will get Get going on the feet because I was a swimmer and I would get a lot of athletes', athletes foot. I yeah. have athletes' foot too, so I think that's in me. Just to wash our feet.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, you need. Yeah, so we're not those two white people that don't wash our feet. Well, I'm, too. I'm kind of, I'm kind of okay, like that. We're in that. Yeah, we let everybody know our secrets.
0: So we have a guest on today.
1: Yeah, I'm very excited.
0: So episode three, here we are.
1: Yes, we have Jody Grimm is going to be on, and she's uh, an amazing therapist. And a great friend who's mm-hmm. going to share a lot of information with you about mental health, about nutrition. She has so many amazing uh, approaches, so you can hear about that today. Yeah.
0: Let's just get rolling.
1: Yeah. let's Do it. <laughs> today on the show, we have a very special guest. Her name is Jodi Grimm. She is a mental health therapist with a focus on holistic health, and she is one of my best friends, and she is the reason why I got into health coaching and the reason why I'm even doing a podcast here today. She also has her own health coaching business and works with clients one-on-one and in in the past in group settings. And my favorite of all, she has her very own raw chocolate company called Ro oops, not Ro, <laughs> JoJo's Raw Kitchen, where she makes these amazing raw truffles right out of her kitchen. And today we're going to dive a little bit more into her personal story and her approach to therapy, which includes um, looking at a person's nutrition, looking at dance, movement, um, generational trauma, healing family relationships, and much more. So thank you for being here with us today, Jody. Oh my gosh. Yes.
2: <laughs> Thank you guys so much for having me. You know, it's an honor.
1: Yes. So we want to dive in. So first, can you just describe to our audience a little bit more about your personal journey? Uh, you know, it can be related to health or really anything that just brought you here today. It can be the long version or the short short version. Sure. And yeah, yeah. go ahead. Thanks take
2: thanks it so away. Much, Angela. Uh, so Um. I do remember you talking about on your first podcast, how some people grow up with, you know, a, a family that really promotes, you know, healthy food and a lot of people don't. And I happen to be really lucky in that way that uh, I grew up with a mother I would consider a health nut. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know her well, Angela. So um, so I grew up with health as just part of the normal conversation, uh, you know, and my mom was really good in that she always promoted eating well for, you know, to keep our our bodies healthy, not to lose weight or, or anything, any of those kind of superficial reasons. But she always promoted eating well as a way to care for ourselves and to take responsibility for our health. Um, So yeah, I felt really lucky in that way. And I, I definitely pushed back a lot on that when I was younger, I felt like, I didn't really want to have much to do with whatever my mom was teaching me as a lot of, um, you know, teenage kids are and maybe even into my early 20s. But I think having that foundation set the stage for me because when I started to have really a life of my own, I moved to Boston when I was 21. Um, And, you know, started to break away from my family a bit and feel like I was creating my own life and my own beliefs. And having that as the foundation just allowed, you know, that jumping off point for me. And I felt like, um, coming back to some of that just immediately felt like coming back home., uh, so so I moved to Boston. I was working my first job out of college at an after school program, and I started doing a lot of yoga at the time. My mom actually got me into yoga when I was in high school. so, uh, yeah, I feel again very lucky in that way that she introduced it to me at a at a young age. It was Bikram yoga. If anybody knows Bikram, it's the really hot one. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: You can oh, see the Netflix. Yes, there There's is a documentary, a net, is a documentary. What is the name uh, of it? It is called
2: Bikram Yogi Guru Predator. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, feel free to check that out. Uh, yeah, was we very can get interesting. Into that a little more too. After. But um, but yeah, outside of the man himself, the yoga actually. It was very healing to me. I, again, resisted that for many, many years. Uh, it's it's a very hot room. My mom would, like, drag my brother and I there in high school, and we couldn't mm-hmm. stand it. So, again, it wasn't until I moved to Boston and started, you know, creating some space for myself that I thought, oh, maybe I'll try it again myself in my own studio in Boston. And so I started going to the Bikram Yoga Studio in Boston. Uh, pretty soon after I ended up going to Bikram yoga teacher training in Mexico and became a Bikram teacher.
1: And how long is that training?
2: That was nine weeks, um, Mm -hmm. in Acapulco, Mexico was, it was incredible with like 300 people from all over the world, um, doing this style of yoga. And I came back, I was, I was still like 22 at the time when I started teaching yoga. So looking back, I'm like, oh my God, I don't know why I thought I could teach anybody anything at 22, but, um, but it was pretty incredible because with that style of yoga, there's a very specific uh, prescription. It's like if you do these postures and these breathing exercises, you will get healing from it. And I found that to be very true. So even at that age, I did feel like I could teach people how to do that. So so I was doing that and then um, also working full time. And eventually I decided to quit my full time job, my first full time job out of school and teach yoga full time. And so that was a really big decision for me. I still remember conversations with my family where my heart was beating out of my chest because that was kind of a marker for me of starting to take a less traditional path in my life. Um, And, you know, I'm sure many people can relate having certain pressures from your family with the best of intentions, you know, that you'll be safe and secure and, um, you know, financially and otherwise. And so they promote a more or less traditional path. And, And there was something in me that just really wanted to break away from that. So that was one of the first moments I really remember um, having the courage to break away and do something on my own, just because there was something in me saying, no, this is the way for you. So I'll pause there in case you have any (laughs) questions so far. I'm talking a lot, but... um,
1: No, no, that's great. So what did you feel that... What did you feel that the... So Bikram yoga seems like it was kind of one of the first things that you on your own sort of went into without your mother necessarily right like she had gotten you into other things as well but what do you think that helped you heal the most with doing like the training the the all the postures and then also like you said making that lifestyle change or leaving making that decision to leave your job what do you think it helped you heal the most with the Bikram
2: Bikram um well I think the idea with Bikram is it's a it's a 90 minute class and it's really really hot and you want to die like you want to leave the room uh, if, if anybody's ever done Bikram there's so many times that I was in that class and I wanted to get out and um and I did leave many many times and it was depending on the studio that you were in some teachers were a little more lenient with letting people leave the studios in Boston were very strict and so especially once the director of my studio knew I was going to teacher training he started getting a little harder on me and wouldn't let me leave the room when I had that instinct to leave. And so I think for me, the biggest thing with Bikram was learning to stay amidst pain and and suffering in my body Um so that, that was a big piece, and, and that's still something I'm learning and exploring more, uh, especially these last couple of years. But I think, again, that served as a foundation for me in that way. Um, the other thing is just physically detoxing. Uh, yeah, the I, sweating. Yeah, the sweating is a so huge important. piece of Bikram. And so you know detoxing my body and that way you walk out of a Bikram class or at least I did and you feel you feel like new again you know you feel Mm -hmm. um energized Bikram gave me a ton of energy I I struggled with um low energy especially in my early 20s and so Bikram helped me to realize oh my gosh like if I really take care of myself on a daily basis kind of like do yoga just like I would brush my teeth every Mm day um show up and 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 do this uh it's gonna give me more energy and allow me to do the things that I love in my life. So, so that was a big piece of it. And then I guess I would say the third thing is finding a community of like-minded people, uh, that I'm still, some of my best friends in Boston are still from that community because I think it's really special when you find a group of people who are committed to their own health Uh, who are wanting to take responsibility for their health and not only on a physical level, but taking responsibility for how they show up in their lives in general. And so I formed some really close connections at that time in my life that set the stage for for really for my network in Boston moving forward.
1: Yeah, that's great. I love it. And also, so so you broke away from, you know, the job that you had right out of college and then you decided to become a Bikram teacher full time. So when was the moment that you wanted to uh, become a health coach and decided to to start that training?
2: Yeah. So I yeah, so I was teaching yoga. And at the time, I also uh, was in a relationship with someone who lived in (laughs) now we're getting into the good stuff. here. Here we go. Uh, I was in a relationship with, uh, yeah, someone I was very much in love with, and he lived in Argentina, so in South America, and which most people probably know, but at the time I didn't even really know where that was, (laughs) so I um, had a lot of learning to do. But anyway, so he lived in Argentina. I met him here in the States. He was doing a work travel program, and uh, we met actually on the train at, at Park Street, which I later read was... Park Street is the number one place where people find love. Out of all the train stations in Boston,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna say in the world, and I was like, "That's a lie." No, <laughs> Park Street. That's awesome. Oh my god, it, it is. It is very romantic, though.
2: It is so. Anyway, so so we met there and um, fell in love pretty quickly, and then our relationship was long distance. So, uh, I. Th- uh, he stayed with me here for a while, and then I lived in Argentina for a little while, and at the time, Bikram Yoga Studios were popping up everywhere, and I got really lucky that when I moved to Argentina, there was a Bikram Yoga Studio popping up there, and so I got to know the teachers, um, the studio owners, and I started teaching the English. They had one English class a day there, and I started teaching that class, and uh, so that was the first time I was in Argentina. That relationship ended eventually. And I ended up going back to Argentina a second time. Before I went the second time, I had applied to th- three different grad school programs. Um, so again, I started to feel this pressure, even though I had gone out on my own and was you know, teaching yoga full time, I started to feel that pressure again of like, you know, Jody. all right, you're getting a little bit older. You got to get it together. You got to have some security. And, you know, of course, pressure from family. And so I applied to three different programs. I think they were for like three different programs, like not even the yeah, same type of program. So I clearly still didn't know what I wanted. Uh, I applied to a school to do like a woman's studies and anthropology and then another school mm-hmm. to do uh, – Guidance counseling and so I ended up getting into two different programs got some money towards uh, towards those programs and so really it was there was a lot you know pushing me to to go and to make that decision and do it and again something in me was like you're not ready this is not right for you and so I remember saying to my parents okay I, I accepted one offer to grad school, but I'm going to Defer it for a year, uh, so I'm gonna defer. I'll go in a year. I'm just gonna do a little more traveling, and so at that point, I went back to Argentina and taught some more yoga while I was there. And while I was there, I found myself getting spending a lot of my time around food. Um, so I was like, you know, I didn't know anybody there. I knew like one person. I was no longer in this relationship. I knew. A handful of people through the yoga studio but a lot of my time was spent alone so I went to what towards what was familiar and what was like I said earlier what was really familiar for me was food and talking about health and wellness and so I found myself going to farmers markets and uh, taking cooking classes and reading cookbooks in spanish and that's how i learned some spanish my spanish is still very poor right now but um but at the time i was really excited to learn spanish by reading about food and and cooking and different recipes and so uh so that's how i spent my time and while i was there i thought i knew i i'm not gonna go back to grad school um so i was there for about four or five months this time around and I remember having a conversation with my mom when I got back, which was really helpful. And she said, you know, I told her, I don't know what I want to do, mom. I, I just know I don't I don't want to go to grad school. I'm not ready for that. I don't want to be locked into something I'm not sure about. And so she said, you know, Jody, just make what's like the the first next step that feels good to you and just make that decision. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But at least you're 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 making movement, like Moving you're forward. you're taking steps forward, and so at the time, I don't remember who had introduced it to me, but I had heard about this school called the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, and I knew a couple people I think at the time who had been through that program. It's now the largest nutrition school in the world. Uh, you can do it remotely. You can do it from anywhere. They have a very holistic uh, viewpoint. And I had heard, you know, people going through that program and starting to do health coaching with people pretty quickly after going through the program and starting their own businesses and starting food businesses. And that sounded really exciting to me and not even the idea of starting a business quite yet, but just the idea of learning more about food and and how to take care of myself. And uh, so I made that decision and I started that program, which was a year long program. And I continued to teach yoga as I did that program. And in that program, you can start as you know, Angela. You went through it as well. Um, you can start taking clients six months in, oh, yeah, and so I, I started pretty immediately when I was able to taking clients. And because I was in that yoga community in Boston, it felt pretty easy to tap into that network and start to build a clientele. So, so yeah, that's that's kind of how that journey started for me, and that's how I started my own business ultimately. And So that I, yeah, I started building in that way. I was teaching yoga. I was taking on some clients. I also had a very cheap apartment. So that helped as I was, uh, you know, not making a ton of money, but I think that allowed me to take risks that a lot of people don't feel comfortable doing. So I feel like eternally blessed with my apartment an apartment I still live in that I've been in for, I think like 13 years now. So, um, so, yeah, I was building my business really slowly, and uh, so that's yeah, that's where it started, and then it started to branch out in a, in a couple of different ways. I also had a bunch of different odd jobs over the years. I worked at restaurants, you know, so you know, I don't want to give this idea that it's like yeah. real easy to just start a business at any age and it's gonna flourish right away. Um, I did it in one way, a lot of people like to start you know a side business while they have a full-time job and that feels much more comfortable i kind of just threw myself in and i was doing a lot of odd jobs to to feel like i could make it financially at the time
1: so you worked at a restaurant where else did you work yep
2: um so yeah so i worked at a restaurant i this wasn't until later but i i walked dogs for many oh, years yeah. that was when i went back to grad school um yeah around as my business started to develop i also uh, started this raw chocolate business. So oh, that- yeah, it's more
1: about my favorite part.
2: <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I started to – that w- it was a very energizing time. I'll never forget one of my – I also thought I was going to start a yoga studio at some time. So I had a lot of things going through my mind, but I remember a good friend of mine at the time. He was also a yoga teacher, and he also had a restaurant. So he was an entrepreneur who influenced me pretty – heavily at the time and I remember he and I were thinking of starting a yoga studio together and we were looking at rental spaces uh, around different parts of the city and I remember one day we were riding our bikes in the south end of Boston and and looking at different spaces and I just felt so energized by this and and my friend was like yeah Jody, isn't it? it's kind of like shopping for your life it, it's cool right and I don't know that that stuck with me forever because I had never felt like that before. Like, wow, I can actually choose how I spend my days and um, what I make of my life. It doesn't have to be this prescribed path that I have heard from either my parents or my teachers or other people that I know. And uh, so that was a really critical time period for me because it, it just opened up so many possibilities in my mind. So I had thoughts of opening like a raw food restaurant, a yoga studio, and then oh, a juice business. And then I ultimately landed on this small raw chocolate business that I started. Um, I was really inspired by a woman who had a raw food restaurant in New York. It was called uh, Pure Food and Wine. I don't think it exists anymore. But I had really gotten into her cookbook and was making a lot of raw food desserts. And I I used, uh, you know, I started using one of her recipes for raw truffles and I made a few tweaks and found a recipe that I really loved myself. And I thought even if people aren't into healthy eating, like this is delicious. And um, so that was my, as I was health coaching, the chocolates became a really nice compliment to that because, you know, it was my way of enticing people to eat well. Like Just because you're eating well doesn't mean you have to feel deprived, doesn't mean you have to feel like you're giving up everything that you love. And I still maintain that perspective now in my own life and when I'm working with clients. Like eating well and living well can be fun and can feel special and just like it would if you were, you know, eating like a pint of Ben and Jerry's Jerry's or, you know, but even better because you feel like you're actually taking care, excuse me, taking care of yourself.
1: Yeah, exactly. And can you explain what raw desserts are? Because I even forgot that not everyone is going to know what a raw chocolate is. Yeah. Can you explain a little bit? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Um, so usually, I mean, a raw food diet generally is when people are eating a raw food diet, a lot of times they mean a, a vegan raw food diet. Um, I actually, my mom when I was growing up was into many different diets. And one is man that she was following for a while, he was based in California, he promoted raw food not only like a vegan raw food diet but eating raw protein, so raw meat, raw eggs, raw milk and um, the idea of of that, of eating things in their raw state is that when foods are cooked a lot of the nutrients is are killed off as well a lot of the bacteria is killed off so for instance with something like raw milk when it's pasteurized they heat it to really high temperatures and it kills off a lot of the good bacteria that helps us to digest the milk Uh, so when you eat raw milk the idea is that you're getting everything that you need to digest it completely and so most people even people that i know have been lactose intolerant or thought they are lactose intolerant can drink raw milk usually no problem because um, it, it just has everything it needs again to help them digest it. So anyway, that's the idea of a raw food diet generally. So raw chocolate is similar in that typically the cacao beans are roasted uh, and then after they're roasted, which kills off some of the nutrients, uh, they, you know, typically their sugar and preservatives and all this, you know, junk added to it. Mm-hmm. So. You know, from my perspective, raw chocolate is just eating chocolate that's closest to its natural form. So the chocolate that I get, you know, the the cacao is, is not roasted. It it is heated to the point where they can you know break it down into a powdered form, but it's not roasted t- to the same degree. And so, so I use that powdered form. And then the other main ingredients that I use are uh, coconut oil. So in a regular chocolate bar, there might be milk or other mm-hmm. dairy products. Um, yeah, you know a lot of this, Angela, but explaining oh God, it for the fans. Tell. Yeah, tell everyone. <laughs> so I use coconut oil to get that same creamy texture instead of um, milk or dairy products. And then to sweeten it, I use raw honey instead of sugar or any other sweetener that might be used. Uh, Yeah. So those are the three main ingredients in my chocolate. And I I tell people like you can eat it for breakfast. It's it's not it it tastes delicious like like any other chocolate would, but you can feel really good eating it and you can be confident that it's actually giving your body, you know, a lot of good stuff.
1: Yeah. And I think that's so important because it brings back a memory (laughs) because uh, I remember Jody and I went to dinner. It was in Central Square. And we had barely known each other that long, but I remember she brought like a raw dessert in like a little mason jar for me. And I was like, oh my God, I have never had anybody like bring me like raw nutritious food. I'm going to cry. <laughs> so it was so, it was very comforting. And so now hearing you retell things, I can kind of connect that to how you made me feel when you like gave me that. <laughs> I'm going to cry. No, I won't. Yes, she's but, crying. And that, first. Was the <laughs> night that, that was the night she asked me to be her roommate. <laughs>
2: I thought you were going to say that's the night she asked me to be her friend
1: <laughs> no I was assuming we were friends but I was like I don't really know this girl she wants me to be her roommate but she has that raw chocolate so I'm gonna go <laughs> I was like she's calling me so no I love hearing all that it's so great so another thing that is a really important part of your journey uh is dance of course and I know that later on you you know most recently you did your master's program at at Leslie and and became a therapist but dance sort of came up in between health coaching and and therapy, Mm -hmm. or I mean, I think you had the idea of becoming a therapist before, but can you explain a little more about your journey with dance and how that's a part of your life now?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, But before I get into that, I think, I don't know if you mentioned this, but so people know how I know Angela, she was my first dance teacher. (laughs) Um, She was my first salsa teacher over in Central Square at the dance complex. (laughs) And um, Angela's hair was really long and she just like moved. So I don't know. I was just like, oh, my God, I want to move like this girl does. And, you know, if you know Angela, you know, she has an amazing sense of humor and she's um, just like the way the the way she is, is is someone that draws you in. And I remember being in that class. I was I was single at the time. I mean, I still am. <laughs> let's, okay. let's be real. But um, <laughs> but this was. I don't know, six years ago, seven years ago, something like that. Uh, And it was my New Year's resolution to learn one dance really well. And the reason I mentioned being single is because I think starting a dance class is a really really awesome way to connect with people um, when you're not in a relationship or anytime you're looking to to connect with people. I think one thing I love about dance is that it's like all types of people get together and connect with each other. So anyway, that's how I found myself in dance um, with Angela. And that's how we got to know each other. And fell for one another. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, um yeah, I'll talk a little bit more about my journey with dance and more generally about like my journey in my body, because that's been a really important part of my life and continues to be. Um So I have struggled with a lot of chronic pain in my life. Um, probably probably not till I was like in my early 20s. But once I was in my early 20s, I started to feel just a lot of tension but to the point where like it it hurt to get up in the morning um so i had tension like all throughout my neck my shoulders i've had a lot of issues with my legs so i have um like severe hip pain and uh i i couldn't trace the the issue was i couldn't really trace this pain back to any particular injury i had a couple injuries in in bikram yoga i i pulled both my hamstrings uh, but you know, I eventually got an m r i on my hip, and they said, You have a partially torn labrum. That's something that I really couldn't trace that back to any moment where I remember having a severe injury uh so beyond kind of those particular injuries, it was just like all over my body felt very heavy, very tense it felt the way I can describe it is I felt like I was kind of like dragging my body through my day um and Sometimes it it got to the point where it felt so severe that the only thing I could do a lot of the times when I got home was lay down. Uh, so to back up a little bit, in in most of my life, I've been very for most of my life, I've been very much a people pleaser. Um, so you know, I I smile all the time, even you know, not anymore as much. But I, growing up, <laughs> You're I would like. I'm angry. Yeah, I'm, now now I'm pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Um. No, but for real. Now I get pissed when I get pissed, and exactly. but when uh when I was growing up, I'll ne- like so that was the thing people would mention about me. Like you have a great smile. Like Jody's always smiling, and that's an amazing thing. Like I I appreciate those compliments. But as I got older, I realized, like yeah, I'm but I'm smiling to a fault. Like I'm smiling when I don't want to be smiling, and I'm not being very genuine in that way. Not only am I not being genuine with other people, but I'm not being honest with myself about all the different things that I'm feeling uh, because I felt like, you know, I don't, you know, and this traces back, of course, to childhood stuff, but it's like, I, I don't want to make waves. I just want everybody to get along. And so as long as I, you know, smile and get along with people, then things are going to be all good. So that's kind of how I showed up in, in my relationships in my life. And so I have a belief that my body and I, I won't say this is for everybody, but my body lets me know things um, mm-hmm. it, sometimes when it's not in my conscious awareness yet. So my body will tell me you know, to stop doing something or to, to start doing something, even if I, I can't make sense of that yet consciously. So with me, the, the chronic pain, what ended up happening was, uh, like I said, all I could do some days was get home and lay down. Um, and I would lay down for hours. Uh, I would like put out a yoga mat and just lay down. And a lot of times I'd end up crying or, you know, just kind of going through, all, you know, some sort of emotional process. And so what I could not do when I was laying down was be pleasing anybody else. You know, I um, I couldn't be there for anybody else. All The only thing I could do was really tune into what I needed and what was going through my mind and what was going on in my heart and get to know myself um, and stop being so focused on being who other people needed me or wanted me to be. Uh, So my belief is that my body tells me no um, when when I need to stop a pattern that's really hurting me long is going to hurt me long term. So so that's kind of where my relationship with my body started to become much more intimate um and so with that i i at around the same time i started to get reintroduced to dance you know i, I showed up like i said at, at in angela's class for a salsa class and so i think what dance allowed me to do is is to tap into the communication of my body so much more uh I started to really feel like I could express myself through dance in a way that I hadn't in many years. And then the more that I was in my body through dance and in other ways, you know, like I said, I, I've done yoga for many years. I've always been pretty active. But I think dance in particular felt much more expressive. And so the more I was in my body, the more easily I could listen to the language of my body, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, I just started to... Uh, hear that much more clearly and much more quickly. So that if I felt a certain pain in my body, or, you know, a, a certain ache, I, I would know, okay, my body's telling me it's time to take a break from being around people, or, you know, it's time to spend some time turning inward. That's also when I started a meditation practice, because again, my body forced me to lay down and spend time with myself. And so my meditation practice started to grow out of that. So, you know, I hope those connections made sense, but yeah. I think um, it's like the pain in my body forced me to spend more time in my body. The more time I spent in my body, the more I could hear the messages that my body was trying to tell me. Um, and beyond that, dance, again, was a way to express myself and just have a lot of fun uh, and feel more confidence in mm-hmm. who I was. I, I always joke that like, I would never have been in a crop top <laughs> until,
1: I, oh, yeah. until I
2: started dancing. So, um, Yeah, and wearing heels and, you know, there was just something about it that helped me feel much more expressed in a way that I hadn't in in so much of my life.
1: Yeah, and I think what's really important too is that you're not saying that by dancing, you all of a sudden healed your chronic pain. Because a lot of, even for me with chronic symptoms that I, I mentioned on the first episode, you want them to just go away. And I think what's nice about what you've done is that you just found a way, you said, to be more in tune to your body and listen. Because, and not to say that dance didn't heal you on a certain level, obviously, but I think that's so important and not just trying to like bandaid things and force things to happen.
2: No, I think a hundred percent, Angela, you know, I still struggle with pain in my body. I, you know, that's, it's not the same as it used to be. Uh, But like I said, I can, I'm much more in tune with what it's trying to tell me. So I, I don't, I don't have to just throw my hands up and, and, you know, I'm not, I don't feel hopeless around it anymore. I now I trust it and I and I can think I, I know that if my body is feeling a certain way, it's for a reason. And not everybody gets these messages so clearly from their body. Other people get them like in dreams or, you know, mm-hmm. in, in so many different ways. But I have a belief that my body is um, is my subconscious trying to send me messages about what is best For my life and what is going to bring me closest towards uh, wholeness in within myself. So I definitely still struggle on and off, and um, I'm just I'm just more able to work with it rather than feeling helpless around it.
0: The Salsa Soul Food podcast is hosted by Angela Spignese. Follow her on Instagram at Salsa Soul Food and YouTube at Angela Spignese. It's produced by me, Mark Damon. I edit and mix the podcast and also wrote the theme songs. You can find us on most popular podcast services like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google. If you like what you hear, please leave a review as it helps people find us. Got a question for Angela? You can write to SalsaSoulFood at gmail.com and your question could be featured on a future episode.